Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO and founder of Bingham Group. Our guest today is Kevin Burns, the CEO and founder of Urban Space Interiors. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Glad to be here, AJ. You know, Kevin, uh, you're someone um, I definitely have wanted to get on the show for a minute, and uh, you know your name, if I may say so, I think is really synonymous with some of the hottest properties in downtown Austin. We'll get to that in a, in a short while. And before we get there, though, I want to give a little bit of background on on you and and your the development of urban space interiors and all the things that y'all are doing. Sure, sure. How far do you want me to go back? Let's go back. Let's start your call. Well, how how uh, how far you know? You, we're on their time for a little, little bit of time on it, but just uh, the snapshot. Okay, so I grew up in Charleston, West Virginia. Um, my first foray into, uh, real foray into sales, I was a fuller brush man um, at the age of 10, which most people in this region aren't familiar with fuller brush, but I was, I was basically a door-to-door salesman of brushes, mops, brooms, and household cleaning products. I quickly learned as a 10-year-old that uh, most uh, people were not at home when I was wanting to knock on their door, so... I had to change my game. I lived in an urban environment, so I started selling my wares in downtown office towers, which I quickly got kicked out of just about every office tower in downtown. I had to get smarter. I had to fig- I figured out eventually that you never talk to the receptionist. Mm-hmm. Right? Receptionist's job was to keep a little punk-ass kid like myself out of their office versus in their office. So I, I learned to sneak past the receptionist and find the decision maker, which I would... Uh, Give my pitch, sell my wares, and next thing you know, I was selling to anybody, everybody in their offices. Mm-hmm. Um, that led me to become the number one fuller brush man in the state of West Virginia at 11. I did that until I was 13 when my family and I moved to the uh, gated golf course suburban hell of uh, Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I was nowhere near an urban environment, I had to change my game. Uh, and started a, a lawn and landscaping company. There was no shortage of St. Augustine grass growing way too fast. Uh, so I ran a lawn and landscaping company uh, uh, in high school, my first couple years at UT, uh, which uh, was a lot of work, a lot of fun. Um, ended up uh, hiring the, the kids that, that uh, you know, my freshman year kind of bullied me because I was the new kid on the block. Those kids ended up working for me. And, uh, and took it from there. I went to UT at 17. I was in the business economics program. Uh, at 19, I got my real estate license. Graduated at 21, got my broker's license at 21 and founded Urban Space at 22. I spent three years in uh, real estate prior to founding Urban Space. And uh, what, I, what I learned in that journey was I was doing a little bit of everything under the sun, right, for those first three years from selling uh, ranches in Blanco County to downtown office leases and everything in between. And what I learned in that time was if I was going to become great, I had to focus. Mm-hmm. I had to say no, right? You know, every time I said yes to somebody, it was taken away from whatever core competency I might actually have the potential of having. So uh, I made a conscientious decision in, in 2000 which seems just like yesterday, but but people would remind me that uh, that's actually a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess thinking of that too, man, it's crazy. You know, I mean, I, I still think I'm 22. My, my wife says otherwise. Uh, and uh, so, you know, here I am, 22 years old, founded Urban Space. I knew that I needed to focus. I've always been passionate about urban environments. And uh, so I founded Urban Space uh, based upon that passion. The uh, reality is, you know how many condos there were in downtown Austin in 2000? Not a lot. I, <laughs> no. I grew up, I know it just wasn't, I mean, it, yeah, the, um, the rail yard, that was when this was the 80s and there wasn't a lot. I think when I came home from college breaks, um, this is pro, this would have been early 2000s, and you had a lot of, um, it was the one, Amelie's over here, but there was, you know, there was no, there was no, there was no West 6th Street or anything else, so it was, it was still a big gap between the condos downtown, and there was no little Whole Foods over here. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a kind of a wasteland, you know, where we're, where we're sitting right now is one of the hottest areas in, in downtown Austin for, for livability, and um, this was a, a car lot. And there's a car lot across the street where there's another condo tower, and and uh, some of the best uh, best pa- towers, uh, best condo projects in Austin were literally derelict uh, wastelands, uh, um, and it's really changed really changed since then. But yeah, so at that time in, in the early two thousands, there were only a few small condo projects on the ground, and uh, people thought I was crazy. Uh, starting a downtown real estate company with really nothing to sell. Luckily, I didn't really have to make a whole lot of money. I was 22. Uh, I had no kids. I had no wife. I had a three-bedroom condo in which I had friends of mine renting out two of the bedrooms. So I basically was working for beer money. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> right? And, um, you know, if memory calls, it was a celebration when I realized, I'm like, man, I got like 50 bucks left on my credit card. And, and, and it was like a big day, so we'd go celebrate, you know, have dollar beers. I'd take the whole, whole uh, you know, office, to, the whole crew to, to, to beers and, you know, take that credit card balance right up to the max. Um, but during that time, you know, I spent a lot of time really learning about the marketplace. I got very active and involved in uh, the Urban Land Institute, the Real Estate Council of Austin, the Downtown Austin Alliance, the Downtown Austin Neighborhood Association. And just like when I was selling Fuller Brush, I had a pitch. And that pitch was, I am passionate about downtown real estate. And, uh, you know, I want to learn everything you'll teach me. And so I told, I gave that pitch over and over again. And people finally created uh, a, a link and connection between downtown living and urban space, even though there really wasn't any urban space to sell. Mm-hmm. So as developers uh, contemplated taking the plunge into doing downtown projects, somehow, some way, my name uh, bubbled up to the surface. Uh, and uh, you know, I guess the old saying, the right, right time, right place, a little bit of luck, uh, and, and that gave me the opportunity to uh, take on some big projects in downtown. Let's talk about that then. Uh, what are some of the projects uh, that, you know, for those who don't know that Urban Space is uh, involved with or has, has been involved with in the past and then, you know, ones that are coming online pretty soon? Sure, sure. So, you know, the first project that I really had a big hand in, I didn't actually have the listing on it, but I was just so passionate about the project that I ended up selling 
about half the building was the Austin City Lofts, mm -hmm. corner of Fifth and West. It's an eighty-two uh, unit right project. Yeah, just right yeah. across the street from us. Um, you know, I I became friends with the developer and uh, like I say, really loved the project. I ended up buying the ground floor retail there and bought a residence to live in, and uh, you know, ended up selling about half of the project. And in that process, uh, I became friends with the person that that was in charge of their marketing and. And um, turns out that particular gentleman, a guy by the name of Kyle Cruz, uh, he introduced me to a developer by the name of Fairfield Residential that was in the process of developing a condo project on Rainy Street mm -hmm. called Mulago. It wasn't Mulago at the time, it was called the Rainy Street Apartments at the time. Mm -hmm. It's the one all the way down Rainy Street, kind of the turnaround, right? Yeah, right at the southern end of, of uh, Rainy Street. And uh, he, he made the intro, this was 2004, so I'd been in the business for a couple years. And uh, I was maybe 26 at the time and, and uh, got, my, got my foot in the door. And lucky enough, uh, I ended up getting that listing. It was a 240 residence project uh, on a street that had no business being a street for condos at the time. No. It was, it was not good. It was a, a street filled with uh, houses that were literally falling down uh, there was no activity there's no there are no restaurants there are no bars but what it had what it had going for it was it was downtown and it was on the Ladybird Lake Trail mm -hmm. right it had these great lake views it was on the trail and it was at a, a very very attractive price point so we ended up selling those uh, condos out of the ground floor of the Austin City Lofts uh, sold them all out before the first residence delivered in 2006, and uh, that was that was a, a, a huge tipping point in my career. You know, and, um, most recently you had the independent or the independence coming up right now, right? And that's the so-called uh, Jenga Jenga Tower in Austin. Yeah, so you know, uh, I've been very fortunate to um, have the opportunity to do the uh, sales, marketing, and and more importantly, we got to we got to open up the hood and really go in and create the unit mix and uh, really help out with the architect on the floor plans uh, to create an optimal unit mix and optimal set of floor plans that were attractive to the marketplace. So at this stage of the game, we, we have delivered our first few residences and we have uh, 22 left to sell out of 363. Wow. Yeah. When did the building come on? It's right across the street from our offices, so I see it every day. It's still on construction, but when is it proximate online date? Well, so we, we've actually, uh, we do have people living in the building now, so we've closed our first couple residences. We're going to be delivering these the rest of the building over the course of the next uh, four to five months. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that, that's been a big one. We What, what kind of got that going, though, was a project called Sea Home. Okay, know where that's where offices are. Yeah, so the the uh, C home residences, um, we started selling in twenty thirteen, and we put the entire building under reservation in two and a half business days. Unbelievable! I I I, I feel very blessed to have been a part of that one, and it really showed the pent up demand in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. We had about twenty five hundred people that inquired about the project, and. Um, so really got to run a fun sales process, had the whole building sold out well in advance of uh, the first unit delivering. And I really believe that Sea Home's what kicked off this latest uh, 
wave of condo projects. There's currently four different condo towers under construction in downtown or just complete. And uh, Independence, kind of the, uh, it's the, uh, the, the, the crown jewel of those, mm-hmm. of those four projects. So. And then you're about, let's talk about your own projects, much you can share. Uh, that was recently announced um, a few weeks ago in the Austin Business Journal. Yes. On Rainy Street. I want to say at my end, you know, that was a, <laughs> I saw that, I was like, you know what, like I woke up next morning, I, for some reason, like, I, not some reason, I was like, I want to do this as well. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of I know it's not as easy as that, but it's the idea, and I definitely will execute on it. You know, so um, I've always wanted to build a tower in downtown Austin. I think that, um, you know, some would say it's an ego play. I just personally believe it. Um, it's important for me to help make a positive impact on our city. And, and these towers really make a mark on the city. They're not just for the people that live, work, and play downtown. They're for, for the whole city. They're the symbol of, of our city, right? Uh, AJ, how, how many times have you uh, opened up the newspaper to see uh, a front page article about uh, another suburban track house? Not, not too much. No, no, no you don't. No. <laughs> oh, oh, you're, you're, you know when you, like, you Google New York City? Yeah. Do they show like the the boroughs in in, uh, in no, New Jersey? Downtown. No, they they show down they show the skyline, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's that skyline that that the citizens of any particular city really get proud. Of, they become proud of it. They 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 circle the wagons around it, and and that's that's the measure of a of a great city is its skyline and its urban environment. So I've I've been very passionate about for many years wanting to do something uh, a, a project in downtown. And I've been at the, the developer's table for, oh shucks, 14, 15 years now, um, but never in the seat of the developer. So I've had the opportunity to participate in the development process, to give my two cents, to help shape and craft these projects, but never where I was the one taking on the, the uh, full responsibility, the full liability, uh, and risk, but also reward associated. With yeah, very much so. So, um, you know, going back in our story and conversation to Malago, when I sold that project out in 2006, I believed that Rainy Street was going somewhere. So I, I uh, scratched up a little extra coin and, and bought the corner of Rainy and Davis uh, in 2006. And um, at the time, I was going to build six brownstones. Mm-hmm. Ambitious at the time, but the the look back on it, really glad that I ended up not doing that. The uh, right as I was geared up and ready to go, the recession hit, and I I, I mothballed the project. At the same time, a, a friend of mine, Bridget Dunlap, came to me. She's like, Kev, I'd love to throw a couple shipping containers on your on your site. I can do it in no time, and you know, we'll 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 do a shipping container bar uh, until you're ready to develop it. And I said, Bridget, that sounds like a great idea. You know, it turns out that the city of Austin was not too keen about just throwing a couple shipping containers on the site. I remember uh, it took a little bit to get out the ground. Yeah, it took like three years, mm-hmm. uh, courtesy of the city. They, they made uh, her build foundations for the shipping containers, and they made her build supports for the second floors. We're talking about container bar, too. Yeah, container yes. bar. <laughs> you, you know, so, so the city had them build these foundations and these second floor, like, structural supports for the shipping containers. Do you know that shipping containers actually sit on, like, on... On these gigantic ships stacked like 12 to 15 high crossing the ocean with like you know 50 mm-hmm. foot waves and they still sit on the 
on the boats, no problem. So yeah, our city was a little backwards on, on its thought process. But, but the point of the story is that that project got off the ground. It's been an extraordinarily successful bar. And uh, that allowed me to end up buying the, um, the site next door, 92 Rainy Street, which is uh, where Bungalow is. And so that allowed me to, to have a, a true tower development site. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to the, the evolution of urban space. So you started off in your, your real estate, you know, brokerage real estate company, mm-hmm. um, but you've expanded over that since the founding into some other lines of business too. One, I want to talk about those lines of business, but also just the, the thought process of how you uh, evolved or executed on those evolutions, if you will. That's one area you might, you know, being a group of two years old and going to year three, there are definitely some, par- there's some parallel um, practice areas that are on my radar to get into. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, so it was almost, it's almost like this is a, a class I'm having myself, <laughs> right, as much as anything else, but how the thought process of how I evolve those things so I do it well, um, right, because when I launched my firm, I came in the lobby, I knew that business, right? These are things I have a feeling for, I have a gut for it, but it's not my the basis of my background isn't there, right? So it was from everything from, okay, I know this makes sense, but how do you get the right people around it to make sure it's done well and so on? I'd love to hear your thoughts just on how you evolved that in your company. Sure, sure. So uh, what I've learned in life is uh, hire uh, great people, right? Hire the, the, the people that, that uh, accentuate uh, what you're good at and what you're not good at. So uh, for example, there's certain things or a lot of things I'm not good at. My, my, my wife is really good at pointing out all the things I'm not good at, but that's neither here nor there. So I, I, I brought my sister on who's always been a very good voice of reason. She's, she's been kind of the yang mm-hmm. to me. She's, she, uh, she, we call her the, the, uh, the dream crusher. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that my, my younger brother is the same way. I've been trying to get him to join me for years. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> this will this will spark from that, but he's he's my uh, my anchor, my my thoughts tend to run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So she's great. She's my COO. She's been with me since she was uh, eighteen. She also uh, went through the business economics program at UT, and and uh, so she she runs the operations in the company. Uh, but yeah, historically we've always just brought great people on. Uh, in two thousand eight, um, when I bought the space that we're currently in, I had more space than what I needed for just a real estate office. And uh, my uh, uh, now ex-wife, uh, she really wanted a furniture store, and, and I've always been passionate about furniture and design, so we took a leap of faith and, and founded the furniture side of the business. And uh, did you, did, AJ, did, did you ever hear about like how you make a, a, a small fortune in the furniture business? Uh, did not, no. Yeah, you start out with a larger fortune. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so... I'll say insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so 2000, 2008 was not exactly the, the best time to, to start a furniture store, but it's the time that we started and I got to learn a lot in the process. And it's now become a, uh, a great business, a, a, a successful business. It's not just furniture, but it's also interior design mm-hmm. uh, and design services. And, um, you know, I just kind of learned through trial and tribulation and evolution. And... Uh, you know, that, that's actually been extraordinarily complimentary to the project marketing side of my business, right? Because I can bring a, a team of interior designers in and, and help craft floor plans and, and really give a lot of good input uh, to the developers on, on the uh, design side of the projects. Mm-hmm. And we talked this right before the show started, but, you know, 
how important is how important has hustle been to just your career? Um, well, I don't think we'd be sitting here right now if if I didn't have the underpinnings of hustle. I've I've worked since I was six years old, and I think that one of the reasons why I worked so much when I was young. So I learned that I was actually really, really bad at sports. Mm -hmm. When I mean really bad at sports, I mean no coordination. I'm complete klutz. Even though I'm 6'4 and everybody thought I should play basketball, I'd have to actually get the basketball into the hoop or be able to dribble across the court, which I wasn't able to do either. So I, I've, I've always compensated for my shortcomings in, in the uh, athletic world by, by working. And, um, and uh, you know, that whole concept of no didn't really resonate with me that whole idea of you can't do that when somebody says you can't do that that actually means like oh yeah really mm -hmm. uh so i just i just you know worked a little harder i i looked at it at, at solving uh with different angles i'll say right because not just i think people confuse hustle as hard work i mean that's important i think it's almost implicit like it well, requires work but it's smart work too and to your point i think it is about that it is seeing angles and Sometimes things don't have to be as hard as you want to make them, but you you know you look you have to look at the overall situation where you want to go, and the hustle part is figuring out how to, you know, maximizing is maximizing the result with the least amount of energy in my mind. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. For that, for the value. I mean, you can work. I can work eighty hours a week if I want to, and not have a great company, or work forty hours a week. But those forty hours, what do I do with that time? Right. And then that's just, that's not simple math, right? But you know, in terms of that, make sure I have the right people on. The, that build processes from day one, you know, do my, you know, spend my money appropriately when I need to spend it and so on. Yeah, so, you know, my, my grandfather on my mom's side of the family uh, was a coal miner and a, and a horse trader of sorts. And he worked really, really hard. But, you know, being from the hills of West Virginia, you can work really, really hard and, and not become financially successful, mm -hmm. right? So I took those lessons and realized, just like when I was selling Fuller Brush as a kid, I could go knock on a lot of doors, but if I wasn't knocking on the right doors, right, I wasn't gonna get anything sold. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, I've taken those lessons and uh, spent my energies in ways and formats that, that provide a return, right? Uh, by trying to do things differently. You know, for example, being a, um, in residential real estate, uh, you know, I could either take on a single-family house listing at a time scattered all over Austin, or I could take on a tower where I'm multiplying my income by 200 or 300 individual properties in one sale, mm -hmm. right, in one listing. And then the real s sweet spot to my business is almost all of my business I get to walk to. Yeah. Right, so I took all of that time spent in the car. You know, there's an old saying about realtors spending a lot of time in the car, putting people in the car. I don't put people in the car; I put people in walking shoes, right? Or I do my sales out of my office, and and by focusing, uh, it makes it really easy for me to do what I do well without having to put a lot of energy or effort into it because it just comes natural. Yeah. Right. It's just what I do every day. And it's fun, yeah. right? Shit, you know, if you're going to do something and do it well, I hope that you like doing it, right? Do you like doing what you do? I love it. I love it. And that's not, you know, I, get, I don't know if you had this discussion with your parents or your, you know, your, your friends. My, my mom was always telling me about, am I happy about this? Like, it's not a happier, 
sad thing because those are always going to fluctuate, right? Their days aren't as pleasurable as others, but underlying it, I'm very, uh, I'm where I need to be. And I feel very satisfied with the work I'm doing and, and what I'm building towards. Well, you know, AJ, I think part of your success story is that every time I see you, you have a smile on your face. There's that too. Right. I'm always, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're all, you know, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but I really don't have any interest in talking to people that have a frown on their face, right? I'm a positive, happy guy. I measure, here's a neat one, uh, something I live, live by is I don't measure wealth based upon dollars and cents. I measure my wealth based upon the happiness I create first and foremost for myself, right? Because if I'm not happy, I can't make anybody else happy. But then the happiness that I create for my children, my wife, my family, and my close friends, and, and my coworkers, and those around me. So the more happiness I can create, that's that's the true measure of, of success in my life, mm-hmm. right? I agree. And it all comes down to being passionate about what you do. Like, I love being in my office, right? Because I've surrounded myself with super fun people. You know, I only work with fun people, you know. If somebody comes to me and they act, they act like an asshole, well, I explain to them that there's plenty of uh, other agents that they can work with, right? Mm-hmm. But, but I don't need to waste my time. Right? I want to work with people that are, that are nice, kind, interesting, positive people, right? And uh, there are plenty of those in Austin, Texas. That's, I think, what makes Austin so special. Mm-hmm. Great people like yourself. Well, likewise, Kevin. Oh, shit. And with that, I want to close it out with Kevin Burns. Thank you for your time. And, My pleasure. Uh, love your space. We're actually we're recording today in one of uh, your demo rooms downtown. And uh, love to get back in here at some point in the future. Let's do it. All right. Thank you for listening to today's BG Podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.